All right, guys, welcome to the 8th Zen Podcast, uh, Monday morning. It's great today. Construction is just about to start. I can hear the guys rocking up next door, quarter to seven. Let's get this rolling before it gets too loud. All right, um, today I wanted to talk about uh, kind of my a past life of mine, if that's what it feels like. Um, I started out in graphic design and... Um, I do this thing once a year. I really like to do it too, uh, where I go to design colleges around Sydney um, and basically just do a one-hour inspirational talk, uh, which encompasses pretty much how I've been able to do everything in my life through graphic design. And bigger lesson from that is I think if you get really good at something and confident at at, at that thing, um, it'll take you really far and everywhere you need to go. Um, so the talks that I usually do start with me talking about school and then goes into how I got started working and ultimately how I've gotten to where I am today. So starting with school, I went to Sydney Boys High School. Uh, it was the early 90s. Um, and... I was a pretty weird kid. I was probably one of the only Asian kids uh, at the school at the time and copped a lot of racism, and that's another topic. Um, Save that for another podcast. Um, But I I was a strange kid, and I really knew early on that I wanted to dump mathematics, which I did. Uh, It just... Mathematics and me have never gone hand in hand. Um, But I took all the artistic stuff... um, music until I couldn't read music and then I got kicked out of that class. Um, But then art, which I took three unit and industrial design as well, which I also took three unit. Um, As the years went on, year 10, 11, 12, uh, my grades were dropping in everything but art pretty much. Um, And it just got to a stage where I was jigging classes and unable to keep going on my major artworks because the art uh, labs were shut. So at one stage, I just moved my artworks out to the main staircase uh, of the school, one of the buildings, and I would just paint in the staircase. Um, I was painting with my hands and I was painting girls too. I was painting (laughs) Claudia Schiffer, um, Cindy Crawford, and I was just painting with my hands, and when the school bell would ring, you'd have hundreds of kids running through the, the stairwell, and they would be laughing at me because there's that weird guy that was painting in the hallway while everybody else was in class. So for some reason, I just got away with it. Um, and, you know, going on, going on from school, it was like uh, at, in year 12, you have to figure out what you're going to study for the rest of your life. And it's a really hard thing to hard thing to to nail, you know. For a lot of people, a lot of people just end up studying arts or something because they have no idea what else they should study. Um, but I really wanted to do painting um, uh, and drawing. And for some reason, I listened to my parents who convinced me that, um, look, you can draw and paint all your life, but um, there's this new thing called graphic design. And maybe you should give it a go because you might actually make a career out of it. You might make some money out of it. Um, so I put a couple of 
graphic design choices up first, and I still had some painting and drawing um, universities set for like third, fourth, fifth choice or something like that. Um, and luckily, um, I got into my first choice, which was uh, Uni of New South Wales, College of Fine Arts, Bachelor of Design. Um, and I only got into it because at that stage, they were looking at portfolios, uh, which they took into account. And without that, I don't think I ever would have gotten in because the year after that, they got rid of portfolio assessment um, and based it on TER alone, which I would never have, I would never have gotten into that school. Um, so there was a bit of a blessing there. Um, and College of Fine Arts, like the Bachelor of Design was a really interesting course. It was a multidisciplinary course, so broken up into three bits. You had uh, graphic design, uh, industrial design, which suited me because I, I made a guitar in year 12, and um, also architecture which or spatial design, um, which is which more like a bridging course because you can't really do a four-year architecture course. It, it, it would have been useless if I focused on that. Um, so I really focused on the graphics sort of side of things. Um, and, you know, I hung out with, instead of hanging out with the design kids, because it was at College of Fine Arts, I hung out with all the artifacts. And I, I just lost my shit. Like I was wearing, um, I was in a rock band playing like around Sydney for 30 bucks a night. I was wearing ripped up jeans over stockings and leggings and I wore these crazy high heels, not like women's high heels, but guys' high heels, but they were ridiculous. Um, and I had hair extensions and all sorts of stupid shit like that. It was just, I was pretty goth punk, whatever you want to call it. But it was the artists, hanging out with the artists that made a real big difference for me because I, I got the best of both, both worlds. You know, I was at art school, but studying uh, graphic design. Um, and... All throughout university, my thing was go with the flow, go with the flow. Um, but it wasn't until the end of university, like third or fourth year, I met one of the older students uh, the year above me. And he said, go with the flow. Only only dead fish go with the flow. And it kind of just, it just threw me off. And, um, and he said, mate, you've got to make the course work for yourself. And that is something that I... I still hold on to today. Like you just got to make things work for yourself. I mean, turning up to uni every day, partying hard, and just doing shit, submitting shit just to pass. It just wasn't wasn't doing anything for myself. So I really had to look at the design briefs that we were given, and then not look at the outcome. And at, at wanting, I didn't want the outcome to look like everybody else's. You know, if they um, one of the briefs was um, design a memory container such a fucking cool brief, design a memory container. Um, you know, a lot of people hop straight on the computers and it was doing, I don't know what a memory container was to them, but for me, there was another floor on that building that had a shitload of woodworking tools on it. And I decided I wanted to use that floor, so I, I created my memory container out of wood. It ended up being this big T-shaped uh, container that held... Uh, CDs of songs which broke my heart. You know, when you break up with girls, you remember that one song. Um, anyway, that was my memory container. But the point of it being, I didn't just hand something in to pass. I decided to break their briefs all the time um, and just wanted to make sure that, above all, that I was learning new things and that my portfolio was going to be completely different and more amazing to what 
other people were doing. Um, it was just it was just my thing. And you know, the last uh, in the last year of the course, we had to do a project that lasted the entire year. I mean, some people did corporate identities and stuff. I mean, that's the most boring thing I could think of doing for twelve months. You know, so um, I basically again broke the brief down and and ended up visualizing my diaries that I kept since I was a kid. So I've kept all these soppy diaries since I was a kid and I turned every single page of those diaries into a Photoshop artwork and ended up with this humongous book full of art, which, you know, when I look at the art, it triggers memories um, from my past. So it was a very personal project, but basically got me good at Photoshop because every single morning I'd get up with the doona around me and just hop on the computer and just whip out Photoshop work. Um, Anyway, so from from um, school to uni, uh, it got to a stage where the last year of our course, we had to um, get an internship. Internships, it's like a guaranteed job, really. You, you're, you're saying for the whole 12 months, a company has to hire you uh, legally and support you uh, and not only teaching you, but also knowing that you're going to uni and uh, for a whole year. So they had to be quite patient with that. Um, and getting an internship was pretty daunting because we were taught to create the CV that said that we were proficient in everything. I mean, uh, proficient in Quark Express, in Illustrator, in Photoshop, in Microsoft Word, and all this kind of stuff. Um, it just didn't feel right. I'm not a liar. I'm, I'm, I was awesome in Photoshop, but I was crap at everything else. So I decided to take all of that, all those that bullshit, proficient in Quark, proficient in Illustrator. Um, and I just used a billion typefaces on my CV and I squished it all and I stretched it all out and I just made this crazy A4 sheet of shapes and letters that you could hardly read anything except for my name and proficient in Photoshop and my phone number. Uh, it just was an artwork, basically. And I uh, photocopied 100 of those CVs and I sent out 100 to various people through the yellow pages and wherever else I could find. Um, and I only got two interviews. Out of the 100 CVs I sent out, I only got two interviews. Uh, one interview was absolutely shocking. They were like, suits and they were telling me my god we're just gonna you're just gonna have to do everything we say if you want to get good and i was just out of there um but the second the second interview was amazing um it was with a design studio in marlborough street in surrey hills called bold uh they got me in because they thought my cv was hilarious it was so different to everybody else's that they just had to meet me um and I remember rocking up to 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 their offices and I these gorgeous uh, warehouse spaces in Surrey Hills, and I I dressed up hard. I got it as hard as I could. I had the high heels on, had the stockings on, uh, hair extensions, the lot. Um, and I remember walking down this hallway, this sunfield hallway. And there was loud music coming from one of the studios and this guy going, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. And it was a model agency slash photographer in there shooting and it just had a crazy vibe about it. Uh, kept walking down the hallway to 
like towards bold. And I realized um, the person who greeted me was Tabitha. She's the boss. And so not only the boss was a she, she wasn't wearing shoes either. And I'm just like, mate, this is, this is where I want to work. I mean, these guys are chillax. You know, they, it was nothing like the last place that I was interviewed at. Um, and she had this uh, Power Mac. It was like a 9,000 series power PC or something. I'm sure it was worth about eight grand or nine grand. Um, I know myself because I couldn't afford a power PC and I really desired one of these big massive things. Um, and, and she had a, a, a table with a, a little wooden stool next to it and the power PC was lit literally just balancing on this tiny wooden stool. One knock and that thing would have fallen over and there goes eight grand. So I just stared at it for a while. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what the hell have you got this expensive computer on a rickety little stool for? Um, and she just looked at me and then looked at the, the, the computer on the chair and she, she just said, I love the tension. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> she loved the tension of it. Um, she's a pretty amazing woman and she really taught me a lot about... Um, graphic design and how to run a company uh, in an alternative way. Uh, those guys were awesome. But um, look, it got to a stage where uh, they couldn't really keep me for, for too much longer after maybe two years in, I'd graduated and all of that. Uh, and um, Tabitha put me on to a really big company called Australian Business Theatre. And I started doing really huge corporate work from there. And I was still always a strange guy in the office, but uh, somehow, somehow it worked. You know, like, again, I did the same thing that I, I did in uni. I didn't hang out with other graphic designers from, like, within the job. I knew that I had to hang out with people above them, uh, the project managers, and above all, the boss. And... I'm sure they all found it very strange that this weird guy that looks like me and acts like me would come in. You know, I'd st stick my head in the office and say to the boss, do you have time for lunch today? And of course, they never had time for me. But over time, I started going to lunch with the boss, the big boss. Um, and every day I was going to lunch with the project managers. And what's cool about that is that when you hang out with people that are th exactly the same level as you, you run the risk of them pissing in your pocket. You know, it's like artists hanging out with other artists and they all fucking pat each other on the back and we all love each other's work and we all go to each other's art gallery openings and drink the free booze and then what? It's, there's, there's no, there's, it's so insular and it's so circular and you, you just, this comfort zone's too small, you know? So hanging out with people above you um, forces you to, to grow, I suppose. And, these project managers are in a really high volatile position where if something in the job goes wrong, even if you're the one that makes a mistake, they're the ones that cop it because they're responsible. Um, and what happens in, in a lot of situations is they get fired. Project managers will get fired for not uh, achieving certain goals and marks or dropping clients or what have you. Um, and they'll go to a recruitment agency and they'll get placed in another graphic design company or studio or agency. And what happens when you're good mates with them is that when they move over to the next place, the first thing they do is call you up 
and say, hey, Justin, I'm over at this company now. Um, do you want to come do some work, some freelance work with us? So what started happening was that so many project managers were getting fired and they all loved my work. So they were calling me from various different design companies around Sydney. And I had my little motorbike with my little hard drive, which I booted up my computers from. Um, and I'd go into different studios all throughout the week doing overflow work for these design companies. And it just got to a stage where I was getting so much fucking work that I had to get friends to help me. Uh, next thing you know, I started my own business. So I started my first graphic design business in, um, I think, 99. Um, and we took on all the overflow work from a lot of major um, studios out there, even PR companies. Um, and man, we, we were juggling 30K jobs, you know, sometimes 10 jobs at a time, um, between 10 and 30K jobs, and uh, we did really well. Like, you'll see a little slideshow from earlier where you'll see that I was actually on the cover of the Sydney Morning Herald a couple of times, once for the right reason and once for the wrong reason. Um, but, um, look, I think uh, another thing that I learned uh, was just to dig around on the networks. I mean, back then, you're talking about pretty simple Apple Talk networks between computers. There was no security. And I legit just went on the network and thought I'd find the secretary's computer and find out how much I'm being charged out at. It's interesting to know when you're only getting, you know, 30 bucks an hour that you're being charged out at $150 an hour. Uh, it really helped me. All the documents and legal documents they had for contracts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was all there on the server, and I'm sure it was illegal for me to take it, but I took them all, and I learned a lot about business, and it helped me with, obviously, starting my own business. Um, I mean, these days, you've got the net. You don't have to do that sneaky shit. You can just go online and find out what contracts there are and kind of stuff like that. Um, but back then, I was pretty crucial for me to be a bit of a snoop. Um, you know, and come, come 99... Um, I needed to find freelancers, so I created uh, Australian Infront, which is the uh, pretty much Australia's first Australian-specific uh, design community online. And uh, Infront's still going today. Um, I'll leave a link in the description. You guys can check it out. But uh, obviously, it feels like, again, it just feels like a past life for me. I mean, after Infront, I probably did a JDMST next and got really into cars and bikes and and obviously Zen today. But um, I've created a lot of stuff in the past and some of it still lives on, which, I, which I'm really proud of. Um, right, so, you know, at some point, I also uh, decided to try working for the man again, which is, um, it's still something that I can't do today. I don't think I'm much of a team player, uh, sadly, but, um, yeah, I think it was the year 2000. Uh, I met a guy called Andy Plain from Anti-Rom, who do a lot of work with um, Tomato and uh, Underworld. Um, and he was over from London. And he got me a job at Animal Logic, which is, you know, Animal Logic are pretty huge. They do uh, special effects. At that time, they were doing special effects for Babe and Moulin Rouge and The Matrix. Um, and that was interesting, you know. I, I took on a huge salary, uh, biggest one I've ever had. Um, and the interview process for that, that, that job was in interesting. Uh, I'm, I didn't have that big black portfolio that most designers have. 
And what was nice about it is my portfolio wasn't full of stuff that they'd seen before either. You know, you could probably guess where people came, which schools they came from by looking at their folios, but they couldn't really tell where I'd, I'd come from. Um, and I just brought in a DVD and I just showed them all sorts of shit, like basically random through Photoshop master files. And my main mission really was to, to make these guys like me as a person. I figure no one really wants to work with someone who's fucking awesome at their job, but they're really boring to work with. Um, you know, I, I kind of hinged on that and I kind of hoped that I could make these guys laugh during the interview, which I did. You know, they asked me how much money I wanted and I, I said 150K and they laughed at that. And uh, then they, when they didn't give that to me, they had like seven car park spaces out the front of Fox Studios there. And I, like, I said, I want one of those spaces and they laughed even harder. And, you know, they were like, well, they dropped a bomb of a question on me. It was like an interrogation room. Uh, with a dark room with one spotlight on me. And they were like, well, what, what, what do you want out of working with Animal Logic? And I just remember saying to them, man, I just want a big salary so I can retire in Byron Bay and learn how to surf. And again, I was just being honest. And they liked that, I think. And that's how I got the job. But it's also interesting that when I got the job, I was the one that was interviewing students um, looking for a junior or someone's an assistant or something like that. And I'd do the same thing, man. I would just uh, chuck them into the interrogation room and drop that big bomb of a question on them. You know, it was like revenge. So why do you want to work with, with us at Animal Logic? And these kids would freak the fuck out and tell me exactly what they thought I wanted to hear. Um, none of them got the job, you know, especially the ones showing me portfolios where, oh, here's a guide dog poster that I did, and that's it. And then the next student will show me the same guide dog poster with the same clip art, the same photos, the same size. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're from that school, aren't you? Because the last guy had a guide dog poster the same size and the same photos and stuff. And uh, hardly any students could talk over their work. They were just showing me a slideshow. I mean, they're, they're this, you've got to make the course work and you've got to give me something, give me the person. You know, it was really difficult. I don't think we ended up hiring anyone at all. Um, but anyway, I am just uh, ranting on now, but the, 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 all of that that I've just said was part of this talk that I do when I go out and see students. Um, just to try to get them to think a little bit different and, and not fall into the trap of this comfort zone thing. Um, I've been watching a fair bit of um, some interviews with Elon Musk recently, and one thing that he repeats in a lot of interviews is that he does a 100-hour working week. And his point being, if you're only doing a 40-hour working week and he's doing 100, then within one year, he's going to get twice as far as you. Um, and there's so much logic in that. I mean, he goes, he's pretty hardcore. He says to work every working hour of your day. Uh, I don't think I do. I think my head is. But I'm pretty close to that 100-hour working week, and I don't think I ev I've ever been, uh, ever produced any less than that. I think I'm just constantly working. Uh, and that's got a lot to do with loving what you do as well, obviously, uh, which I know is a major issue for a lot of people. Um, but anyway, I hope this topic still, this rant this morning, I hope it still covers uh, at least some points of interest and, and maybe um, will sort of, help a lot of people to stop going with the flow because I think that's a really lazy way to operate these days. And I think um, you 
you know, this obsessive compulsive nature that I have is something to strive for, I think, because it just, I, I don't find it work. It's just like, I have to do shit. Otherwise I'll go fucking bat, bat crazy. So, um, uh, on that note, um, had an awesome weekend. I got a, a Zen tattoo finally. Um, and I've also been looking for a car to buy for a daily. Sun's popping up, guys. Um, it's, I've been looking for a car, but a, beat, a 5K beater. But I've decided to put the money into the podcast instead, which is nuts. But I've just spent like 1500 on uh, more microphones, more boom arms, um, and a new interface. So we are definitely having uh, interviews next week i'd say um but we are definitely having interviews i need to get the focus off just me i need to stop looking at the fucking camera i would love to have this talk show kind of thing happening so sit tight it's all coming next week hopefully um thanks for listening i'll catch you guys next time